your trajectory needs to be right back to where you are and the people you're with right now. You should evaluate your trajectory of your life in terms of his kingdom, not your satisfaction. Because the scriptures promise, seek the kingdom first and what will happen? All these other things will be added to you. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. The scripture this morning is from John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it w- w- may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you were looking over my shoulder a couple times in the last uh, month or so, and while I'm on uh, online, uh, you want to notice something kind of strange. It's something my son Alex uh, told me about. It's called Zooiverse. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Called Zooiverse. I don't recommend it to you. Uh, And what it is is kind of neat. Uh, and I, I kind of got excited about it as he kind of told me about it. It's kind of like living science fiction, which I, you know, I love sci-fi. I'm a total geek, but, but it's living science fiction. What I mean is, is that what, this, what they've done is because there's so much data coming in, there's so many pictures coming in of distant galaxies. I mean, by the millions, if not the billions are coming in, right? And, and, and uh, algorithms and, and computers can't really analyze. The, there's such a variety of images that come in. They are crowdsourcing it. <laughs> They're crowdsourcing. They're getting people to sign up, and you can get on there, sign in, and you can be a part of identifying what the galaxies are and whether they have weird features or not. And so you get to see if it's a spiral, is it a neck, all these different, and you classify it, and you notice if there's something odd, and you get to report it, and then they, then they gather. This is a part of them actually crowdsourcing, processing a massive amounts of da- amount of data. And it, I'm sorry, I just think it's the coolest thing. I just think it's so cool that I could click on a little image and say it feeds you the image one after another as you go through. And I could be the first person to ever see that galaxy, ever. I just think that's really neat. I just get kind of, I get kind of jazzed about it. I get excited. I, get, I feel uh, uh, motivated to do it. Uh, why am I talking about that? Well, I think that that's a clue. I think the why I want to do that, or maybe what sits and resides in our hearts that makes us want to do those kinds of things, is in them and in nature 
in the, in the, the, the depository of, natural, of the natural world and the universe in its scale is, is uh, pictures or, or pictures of the grandeur and the scale and the beauty and the wonder of God. Nature and, and the natural world is such a wonder. You know, angels tell us this. And then they say that, uh, the, the, that the earth is filled with his glory. Uh, he told Abraham to go out, that ancient nomad, and, uh, and, and go out and look. And here it is in Isaiah 6, 3. And one to another they called, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Here's a promise that the created world, the created world's rich with images. From, and everywhere we look, we'll see, boy, boy does the Bible, boy does Jesus Turn everywhere he looks for an image to connect with us and to tell us who God is. It's kind of, it's wonderful. Right, so the, 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 uh, this is, these are angels worshiping. Angels know it. Then there's this ancient nomad, some Bedouin-like man living in his tent. And when, it, when God says he brought him outside, it wasn't outside the house. It was outside the tent flap, right? Go on outside. And you, haven't you ever been camping? Now, when you're out camping, what can you see? When you get out of that, what do you see clearly? The stars, the Milky Way. You can see things you can't even see in the city, for example. And, and the promise was what? Look, at, look toward heaven and number the stars. The scale of the universe tells you something about who God is. And, 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 and then we can go on. Christ himself invites us into this kind of investigation, and he personifies it. Look, I, I, I never saw this before, but I want you to see it with me. Take my yoke on you and learn from me. Who is Jesus comparing himself to? What is Jesus saying I'm like? An ox. That is not a flattering picture of our Lord and Savior, is it? Except we must take it because he gives it to us, right? He's the one that does it. He's the one that uses it. And what we're learning here, and what I want you to kind of get excited about, is this idea that the met, there's word pictures and images in all of the natural world, all around us, that are ways and avenues for us to hear invitation from the heart of God, to see how available is the heart of God. Mm, I get excited about it. And with this program that all the created cosmos reveals is God's glory is our program today. And it reads right to John 15. That the size and scale of the created cosmos shows us the scale and size of what? God's love. How high and wide and deep. What else is Paul talking about? You can almost hear Paul reading, reading Abraham, that, that, that ancient nomad's promise from God that if you could grasp the size of the universe, you might have a clue <laughs> to just how big is his love <laughs> and his promise. And then Christ is telling us, from Jesus we learn not just what, but how to understand the cosmos. He uses the image of an ox to talk about himself. But what does he say? Learn from me for I am gentle lowly of heart. You know what I think Jesus is doing when he uses metaphors, as we're going to see, as he uses word pictures from nature, as he mines the treasure house of the created world for an image to tell us how to know him and who he is? You know what he's telling us? Don't learn just the data. Learn how I give the data, and you'll learn from me. You'll learn his meekness, his, holiness, his humbleness, his, his, his love. In other words, 
Some often, and this is, a, this is one of the curses of living in a data-rich world, we treat the Bible like it's merely data, right? We're going to mine it for verse after verse to prove a point or to, or to have, an, have an idea. And that's a very, very good thing to do. But we can miss as we do that how he does it, the very manner in which he approaches, the very manner in which he, he uses these things for his revelation. Now, all right, so we're right here, and uh, in, uh, in, in what I want us to see, I want to build, we're right here in John 15, and John 15, though, is a culmination of Christ mining the universe and the glory of, of, of the universe in the most practical ways of taking that resource of created things and making them pictures of who he is and, what he, and how he loves us. Now, what I want to do is John 15, 7. This is the first one where he uses the I am name, the name, the precious name that is his glory, the I am that I am as he revealed himself to Moses. And the first way place Jesus does it is when he just fed a vast multitude in a miracle. Look, provision's a heavy miracle. We love the big miracles. We love that. And they must have loved it too because it meant that, oh gosh, who could, who could imagine you could multiply bread? But he doesn't want to miss the point, does he? That's just an image of what? Of him. And what a humble image of baked bread. How many of you made bread already this morning? You see, how many of you had something kind of bread? Well, we'll have, oh my, well, that's right. We're, no, we're nobody eats carbs anymore. All right. And let's look at the next one. As we build it up, John 8, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. A blind man from birth had just been touched, his eyes massaged by the love of Jesus. And he can see. And Christ borrows, take a look around guys. We wouldn't be in here. We wouldn't be a very good room if it didn't have light. It's all around, light. The most common, you experience it every day. And we might ask, is, is Jesus more of a wave or a particle? And that's just for the geeks. That's just for the geeks. But we see him borrowing from the natural world in this wonderful way. Oh, he goes further. He, look, how many of you, all right, I, I missed on the bread. How many of you walked through a door <laughs> to get in here? <laughs> he, he minds. You see him mining. You see him reaching. You see him moving. You see he wants to make God's love available. He wants to have a sense it's accessible. He wants you to have a sense it's invitational. He wants you to have a sense of God's heart here in these humble, practical, universal images. Not one of us doesn't use a door every day. Learn, learn, observe. Look in, look around you. The world, the world is, is abundant with images that take us in, in, into, into God's love and his heart. Then he goes, I'm the good shepherd. Now this one, we don't have shepherds, but I think maybe today he would have said he was the good janitor or the good street, something very common. Shepherds are the most, they're the rock bottom of the culture. They're the ones who shepherd all the, all the, all the food supply of, of the world. They're the, the basic, most basic people. And shepherds were looked down upon in that culture as, uh, as bumpkins and idiots. And it doesn't, that doesn't bother God, it doesn't bother our Savior, does it? No, because he minds it. He minds our experience and he minds this practical world for the metaphors, for the images that will invite us into his love and help us know it. That will describe his trajectory in the world. Then he goes here, I am the resurrection and the life. This is not, I'm building up, this is this, 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 the uh, fifth, is this 
One, two, three, four, five. Yes, this is the fifth of the, uh, of the I am statements. The resurrection, but look at this, just life. Just life itself. As if to say just, just the abundance, uh, uh, look, how, look how abundant life is in the universe. Well, all of that is just a clue that though he dies, and if you believe in him, still will you live. Oh, we all know these things. It's very practical. And then finally, I am the way. And I hear, this might be a little invisible here, but look at this word right here, way. That's like Jesus saying, I am the sidewalk. <laughs> Let's not glamorize it. This is just, I'm the path. And, and, and we hear path, and those words have religious overtones because of our biblical knowledge or, or, or our biblical ex, uh, uh, understanding. We're familiar with them. But if, if, if you went back into that day, Jesus is saying, I'm the sidewalk. I am the great sidewalk you walk on. I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. What do we have here? With these word pictures, and I want to explore these three things that they do. They first show us the trajectory in the heart of God. Next, they, these word pictures show us the availability of the heart of God. And finally, these word pictures show us the invitation from his heart from the heart of God. It, it, there's, um, I hope, I, and I'm hoping we'll get, we, we will all become now today not only sensitive to how those images reach us and, and how we can celebrate them, but how they also direct us. Our own trajectory and our own availability and our own invitation, you see? How do we participate in these very works? If we would know Jesus, do we have the heart of God? If we have the heart of God, then these will mark us as well. There will be word pictures for us. So let's first look at the trajectory in his heart and, and see well, what do I mean by this. Where is it going? Where is God going with all this? What's the point of calling himself a door or a shepherd or a sidewalk or light or bread? What's the point of this? What trajectory does it describe? Oh, can you hear it? We celebrated it in, in, in Christmas, didn't we? Well, what will his name be? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. This is quoting actually Isaiah. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Yes. You see, do you hear it? When he says, I'm the light or I'm the door, or I'm the shepherd. What's he saying to all those people who go through doors and work as shepherds and walk on paths and need a light to see? I'm, I want to be with you. Don't you hear it? Don't you hear it? I want to inhabit the place, the ordinary places of your, I want to be with you. This metaphor dominates all of his thinking. In fact, if you, if you look at it, this metaphorical word picture is in, even in the prepositions. It's everywhere. These in, I'm always getting back to in, this in language, this, it, you know, it's not, we could use big words like metaphysical and we could talk about union, but it's just in you. It, this is his trajectory, is to get in you. It's, to, it's intimacy. It's to inhabit us, to inhabit this world with us. We shall be his God, and he will, we will, be, his, he will be our God, and we will be his people. There's this inness, and the inness itself, think about this. If, you know, we, it's funny, we, uh, back in the 60s, you were into something, right? Are you into this? Whatever that. And, and that, that hints at the depths that are in that kind of preposition, because it places us in him. But it's just a metaphor, isn't it? It's just a word picture. It's just, a, but, but, but it's so concrete and so immediate. And of course, that's what he's trying to tell you, right? I want to be with you. 
And, 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 and so it's all the trajectory of the whole Bible. And it's everywhere we look. Um, before we get there, I want to I stop over this for a second. And I want you to hear something right away. There's a, there's a division that happens in our, in our world right now. And it's happened for many, many generations, going back to the Greeks. We tend to think that the real world of stuff is inferior. Or it's like second, it was God's second project. He really is about spiritual stuff, not about physical stuff. And that's a load of garbage. That is not true. Hear this again. God has not despised your uh, ickiness. He doesn't despise your BO. He doesn't despise your bad breath. He doesn't despise your, your commonness. You know, he doesn't, dis- none of that. He doesn't despise this world. He cherishes it. He borrows and steals from it just to tell us what he's like. He's advertising. I'm on my way. I want to be with you. I want to be a part of the, all the image. Ah, I love this. Hear the heart of God. So often in almost every religion, what is, what is, uh, what is uh, the religion? But uh, we have a picture of God putting a, of a God putting a ladder down. Putting a, and so what do we got to do? We're going to climb the ladder, right? Climb the ladder. Do all the things that are necessary. And every religion that has ever been created by man, which is every religion but ours, I'm not going to hesitate to say this. They, they, they describe a ladder by which we will get to heaven. And don't slip. Because the higher you are, it's a long fall down. That's not our Savior. He has put down a ladder, and he goes down the ladder to you. We have a God whose trajectory is to come to us and to love us. <laughs> Don't be ashamed. I know, in a lot of us, when we, when we sin or we screw up or, or we look at how humble and stupid and ugly we are, and we're like, who could love me? Well, you just met him. You just, I just told you about him. He has not despised us. He has not despised this world. Praise him. Ah! What's your trajectory, though? You know, I hear this, and so many of us are on a way towards a, some destination. Maybe it's a home in Carmel. Wouldn't that be nice? Maybe it's like a, some, something, something in Oakhurst, right outside the gates of Yosemite. Oh, and along the way, we hope to have started a business or amassed a fortune or somehow. And we have a trajectory, and honestly, the trajectory is about us. And we all fall for this. We all dream about these things. We all think about them and feed on them. And I hear our Savior telling you, your trajectory needs to be right back to where you are and the people you're with right now. And your tra- you should evaluate your trajectory of your life in terms of his kingdom, not your satisfaction. You should think about where you live and where you move and where you, where you work. When, and you should think about the kingdom first, even in those terms. Because the scriptures promise, seek, what, seek the, first, the kingdom first and what will happen? All these things, all these other things will be added to you. I have heard again and again people whose trajectory to come to church is often to find a mate or something like that or to find a romance or to, or, or to find a job or to find the connection, to find the, 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 the ways to, to meet people and to make all, the, all of the uh, networking. That's what they call it, networking, isn't it? Networking. Criticize your trajectory. Let your trajectory be Christ and his kingdom and the people he's called you to. And let those things be added later. I've done all the things I just described. I've done all those things, guys. 
I'm the one that's, I, look, nobody is more tempted in this room or in this church to use this as a way to get somewhere else than I am, right? Because I can establish a reputation or I can use the church to marshal a, 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 a CV that's going to get me what I, or I'm going to have the, oh, Father, may I die to all those things. Get the glory of your trajectory in place in my heart, in my life, in my affections, in all my people. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Let's do that. That's what we need together. That's the call. What God does, you should imitate now. Learn from him. He is meek and lowly of spirit, isn't he? Well, let's keep going. Not only do they show us a trajectory, they show us the sheer availability. <laughs> now, there's no way to catch this. And there's a, there's a joke that, I, I think it's a joke Jesus makes. <laughs> it's a joke that Jesus says. Sometimes he says uh, he, uh, he was at dinner with some Pharisees and they're all kind of bump, bumping shoulders and and they're all looking for the right place to sit at the table, which is an important question in many cultures. Where you sit determines your, strat your prestige, your, your status in the group, right? It's, very, it's, a it's a living reality today. We know this. And Jesus has been seated by him. And he says to the host, you know, you should be careful. I can hear that. I can see the tongue in his cheek. Somebody more important than you might come in. And then you'll be embarrassed. You'll have to move your seat. And I can picture the host kind of looking at Jesus and then looking around and thinking, who did I miss? What, what social mistake did I make? And there is my Savior, the Lord of glory. And what's the point? They didn't seat him where he belonged as the King of kings, did they? And you hear it. The kingdom of heaven is what? Near. He even told his disciples, when you go out, when I send you, what shall you preach? The kingdom of heaven is near, as if it was at the elbow. It's right here. It's, it's, it's right. Wait, don't, don't miss it. There's a sense of like almost kind of like pregnancy, of urgency, of immediacy, of availability, accessibility. And it's, it's like it's right there. It's as if you could just turn, you could bump into it and it'd be right there for you. Yes, that is what it's teaching. That's what these, this use of word picture and metaphor is also teaching, isn't it? The mere availability. How available is that door to you? Well, if nobody's in the way, or if you're going to make a bolt for it because you don't like the preaching, it's right there. It's not hard. You can get up and get out. Do you hear how available he is? You hear, as if to say, in this moment, you could actually call out on God in your heart and know him. Like, it's in the sound of my voice. You could actually now say, hey, God, come know me. And he's there. This is what definitely what's being promised, what's being offered, what's being given to us so beautifully, so beautifully and tenderly in these kinds of promises. And so think about the availability. I see here, I hear this, uh, um, I hear this, this need for us to <laughs> have that same sort of passion and same sort of reality ourselves. Let me tell you the story of a, uh, of having that passion. It was John Payton. And John Payton's biography is available for free, I think, on Kindle. It's a public domain. It's, it was very old. And he was a missionary to the Outer Hebrides. And uh, when he got to the islands, he's, he's had to bury his wife and child. 
And he labored there all his life amongst them. As daily they stole all his food, they stole all his pots and pans, they stole all his books, they threatened his life. Murderers would come in the night to find him. And he would be alerted by just a few people in the tribe who, 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 who had come to Christ and, and believed he, he, he was bringing a real message of hope. And time after time he was, he was ready, to, he was beaten. But he had a passion to make God near to them. That's the work of a translator. You know what translation is? Translation is a way of God saying, I'm going to be available in some tongue or some language spoken by what? 150 people. <laughs> and I'm going to become real. To, ah. And well, one day he was trying to translate the word believe because they didn't have a word in their language for the word believe. Can you believe that? And they, they, they didn't have a word for that. And so they, he, was, he couldn't figure it out. He was listening every day. What's the word they have for it? He couldn't find it. And one day, after a long hunt, Coming home after having hunted a deer, hunt a deer uh, one, of the, one of the men that he had been close to was in his hut, and he, and he said, oh, man, I'm so glad just to take a load off. Rest my weight. As he sat in the hammock. Peyton jumped to his feet, and he said, what was that word you just used? What was that word you just used? What did, what's the word you just used? And so he came to... <laughs> Translate John 3.16 that way. He had unlocked the key by which he could make the God available to them. For God so loved the cosmos. What? That he gave his only begotten son. We know this verse. That whoever, many of us do, rests all their weight, takes a load off on him. What? Shall not be destroyed. Will have eternal life. All right, these word pictures and the abundance of them and their presence with us. And, the, pre and they're, they're, the way they're so often in Christ's mouth are what? They're trying to let you know. He's, he's, he's pushing the avail. He's just, I want, I want to make this so real and present and pertinent and, and abundant to you. How might we do this today? How might we be able to do this? I don't know, guys. I, 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 I would ask you, if you have a, maybe someday you'll have some, oh, that's a great image of what Chris is talking about, about how to know God or anything like that. Tell me. And it'll probably work, wind up in a sermon. As it, as it stands, uh, here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm imagining myself at the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, IBEW. If I had to share the gospel with them, I was preaching from this text. Well, I might be tempted to translate this text in a slightly different way. I'm not kidding. This works. I was shocked at how well it worked. Let's read it. I am the true power cord, and my father is the electrician. Every appliance plugged into me that does not conduct electricity, he takes away. And on every appliance that does not conduct electricity, he does maintenance. That it may conduct even and charge. Oh, even more charge, sorry. Already you are elect electrified because of the word that I have spoken to you. Plug into me and I in you. As an appliance cannot produce electricity by itself unless it is plugged into the power cord, neither can you unless you plug into me. I am the power cord. You are the appliances. We do a chuckle, right? But don't you, say, don't you think that's what Jesus would have done? Don't you think that's exactly, that's exactly what he was doing? That was his program. To make God so available, people go, oh, I know exactly what that means. I want that God. I want to plug into that. I want that. This is the work we should be doing. Look, a lot of us, a lot of us are used to jargon or Christianese, as you might say. And, and Christianese and jargon is a barrier. It's a way of saying, I don't care whether you get it. To anybody who doesn't get it. 
It's a way of saying, you don't matter to me whether you really understand me or not. I have my jargon. And we fall for these, these weird things. And this is so me. Oh, I'm so ashamed of this. Big words do not mean deep faith and maturity. And I made that mistake before. Don't make my mistake. You get out of seminary and you got a long list of big words. Many, many syllables long by which to terrorize and alienate some poor congregation. <laughs> they often say that a young seminarian has to unlearn seminary before he's effective in any particular church. Amen. And Jesus did that to me too. Let's give that up. That's not who we are. It's not who we should be. But now let's bend our minds, our imaginations to what? To think about creative ways we can be saying gospel truth to people around us. Maybe there, you know, I, there's so many ways we can be doing this. One creative way that I shared with McLaren, uh, who's a coder, a big coder, in our, uh, was in our church many years ago as, a, as an engineer, software engineer, was to put DV, which means Deo Valente, DV in his code as a marker. And he said, it was really amazing. Somebody asked him, what was that? And all it means is God willing. And he had, through that little moment, an opportunity to share the gospel. Fill, it, there's ways for us to put in our lives, ways that we can connect with this generation. Because this generation looks at us like we're flat earthers. Right? <laughs> it does. It looks at us like you're kind of nutty. You don't really believe all that, do you? You don't really, what? I thought you actually look moderately intelligent. Yeah, moderately. No, we need to be engaged in this. Translation and the work of translation and the work of, and the work of getting this in is a way that we participate, where we enact, where we take the word picture, we create new word pictures by the Spirit and in our context, and we tell people in ways they can understand because of the ways we understand. And when you do that, something else happens. I'll share it right now because it's so beautiful. Every time I've done translation work, you benefit and so do I. It's so weird. When you do that work of trying to figure out how I'm going to say this, you know who winds up winning in that situation? Even if the person doesn't get it and doesn't believe it and doesn't think it and thinks you're kind of kooky, you still get the benefit of now rehearing and re-listening because you see jargon is a, is a shortcut where we forget that justification means just such a radical freedom from judgment. And oh my God, there's no wrath left. That's what a lot of us can fit. I, I used to say, when my kid, my dad was pretty, a pretty strong disciplinarian. I could always see his hand raised against me. And I was afraid of God that way. And I see God, his hand's never raised like that against me. Yeah. That's just common language, right? But it's a language all of us can understand. And we can enact this availability. Of, oh, maybe we become the availability of God. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> if, if all, oh, yes, that we're thinking like this. And doing this. So finally, as we're kind of processing this, we see, I hope you can see the heart of God. Can you see it? The heart of God has always been to be with his people. Oh yeah, he's been on, look, he's been on target for a long time. And he headed here and he came to earth as a man and died for sinners. Praise him. But these word pictures also show us the availability of God. How, 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 and how we can be that availability, but they also do what? They invite us in. <laughs> ah, they're an invitation. It's an invitation. I don't know if you could hear it or not, if you could see it. Um, it's that word, it's an invitation. And the metaphor is 
Don't stop. It's an invitation to put your faith in Jesus today. It's an invitation to, for, look, look right here. Look, Jesus even uses lawyer language as an image. That's what this is. Uh, this, my, for this is my blood of the covenant. What's a covenant? What's a covenant? A covenant is not a special spiritual thing. That word bereth and the cutting of covenant we learned about outside of, of, of the story of the Bible. The Hittites are the ones who started covenanting. It's an ancient treaty. And what you should hear right now is that if treaties and legal documents can be used as images of the kingdom, then lawyers can go to heaven. We should be very thankful, right? Because if there's hope for them, there's hope for all of us. Amen. It's the truth. We all, and, and so you hear it here. He even borrows from our legal system so you might know his blood satisfied a contract. And you're free now, brother. So am I. It's an invitation into the contract language for his satisfaction of its terms. Praise him. It's an invitation that he even talks about. It. I, one of my favorite things, you know, you know, a lot of times there's an invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my, if anyone, is anybody hearing? I say, all right, if you're listening, even if you're a believer, don't you know this was written to a church? This is for believers as well as those who have yet to give their life to Christ. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him. And he with me and the meal is rescued. And we come to see that, look, at here's the invitation. All you have to do is believe to come and take part of the bread of life and the covenant in his blood. Every week he, he speaks in this language of invitation and accessibility, showing his trajectory to us. This is beautiful stuff, guys. We get to celebrate it every freaking week. It is wonderful. It is wonderful. It is living. So I want you to see the invitation keeps going. Look, whoever comes, whoever follows, if anyone enters, whoever believes, these images were meant to be homely and accessible and real so you'd know, hey, come on by. I'm right here. Come on in. Some of you have been out in the cold with the Lord because oh, mistakes you've made and things you've done and places you've been and things you looked at. I know. But don't you hear him again calling you? Return, poor sinner, come home. It's cold out there in the dark. It's cold running from Jesus, isn't it? Don't you hear how humble he is? He said, oh, look, if you really, I'm like a door. Do I need to get more humble than a, I'm like a door stop. How's that? Because he holds open the gates of heaven for all who believe. He is the great door stop. He opens heaven and holds it open for every heart of faith. Praise him. It's just, yeah, it's, 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 so this agenda, this, this word picture, metaphor, metaphor agenda is nothing more than the heart of God on display for everybody. And man, is it precious. And man, is it good. Uh, and I would think this last point, though, we should hear it ourselves that we need to be an invitation, don't we? That we need to be inviting. That we need to be the, the doors by which, and, the, and we need to see ourselves in these humble ways as, as ways, as doors ourselves, as, as little shepherds, as lights, as little, whatever it is you need to animate yourself now, because we are the invitation. And people aren't coming here if you're not inviting them. And inviting them in, or people, and I, you know, I love our church. And we become very friendly. We become good at being friendly. But friendliness is not love, is it? Love is sacrifice. 
People need to come to know that you are going to give up your time, your money, and your place for them. I don't care if they're non-believers or believers, because we need to be an invitation like Jesus is giving here into the heart of God. If that heart is beating in us, boom, boom, what do we act like? Yeah, dare I give an altar call? I know, you know, you're like, I went to a Presbyterian church, so I wouldn't have to deal with that kind of junk, Chris. But why not? You know, look, I'm not going to do an every high close, every, every, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that in this moment. But I'm going to tell you today that if you call on the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to be your rescuer and your lover and your cleanser, he will do it. If you will turn from your wicked ways into him and say, be all I all, he will do it. He does it every day. He's doing it all the time. I, uh, and, and I guess if there's an altar call, here's my altar call. Here's my altar call. If you know Jesus, then get to this altar, take this bread and this wine, and put it in you. Because in doing so, you enact all that invitation, all of that trajectory, all of that accessibility. You see, he speaks to us in such beautiful baby talk, doesn't he? So that nobody can miss the point. So nobody will miss the point ever. What is the altar call today? Make your home in Jesus. Mm. Let's pray. Father, oh dear Father, not all of us have been living with you like that. I mean, we find it hard to believe that you'd have a trajectory, hard direction to begin with. We always think of you as somebody far, far away, and that you're just not like that. We heard it today, you're not like that. You're almost so close, it's kind of scary. It's kind of frightening and arresting and, and bewildering. Be close right now, Father. Be really close to every suffering, crying heart here. Everyone who wants to know you're that real. Everyone who wants to know you're that available. Everyone who wants to hear the invitation fresh and joy to give their lives to you. Oh, I hear it. I hear it and it's all I want. Oh, I love you so much. And I love you that you, I just think back, Father, to when I was a little kid, we were on our way to destruction, the whole family, and your trajectory to bust it right in. You drew close to, a, to people who hated you, and you called my, whole, my family to faith. I praise you, and I praise you that I am given the, the privilege to extend that invitation again, for the, and as long as I am able to preach, Father, to extend the invitation. Come, know the Lord. Come. Father, Holy Spirit, Take all this, these truths and these tr truths. Anything I've spoken that, 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 that's an obstacle or, or folly, just, just let everybody forget about it. But, but let your truths stand in our minds and our hearts now. Let your truth, we want to make a home with you. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to pray for all of us right now that we'd be we would be available now. <laughs> that we would feel a new trajectory to our lives that's in line with your kingdom work. That we would, yes, Father, that we'd come to get from you the love we need. I praise you. And thank you for your word. I thank you that you're so intentional. <laughs> you're so intentional like this. And you're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Our Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he didn't stop this program. He never stops. He's doing it even today. And, uh, it, but, but, but he did he followed this, everything I've saying, all this, all this truth. He took bread when he was eating with his disciples and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. Take and eat. Mm. 
In the same way, after dinner, he talked about the cup of uh, uh, the covenant in his blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah, this, take and, take and drink this. If you have a, a, a faith the size of a, little, of a little grain of dust floating in the air, then come to this table for the, and, 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 and know the accessible, wonderful love of Jesus today. Will you do that with me? Because that's what I can't wait. I, when I start preaching like this or thinking like this, I just can't wait. To, I want to eat that whole loaf. If it would make me sense or know that more dearly and clearly. Oh, yes, Father. Let me follow that, though. If you, if you don't get it yet, if you kind of like walk wandering, you're like, gosh, Chris, I never thought that all those images were for me. Then if you're right on that cusp, and you, then, then I'm going to tell you, to give your life to Christ today. Accept the invitation. Accept it. Ask Christ into your heart. If, it's, if you're not ready yet, if you just have a hard time believing that a God is real, I get it. I get that. Then, then watch us. Watch us. Watch us take this because, because maybe you'll be, uh, uh, you're, you'll be envious that <laughs> anybody could know a God that way and you'll want it someday. And that envy will drive you crazy and you got to find out and come and ask me or somebody else. Finally, if, you're, but you, if, you, if you came this morning, you came to, religion, you came to First Press because you're religious and, and you really wanted a program about being a better person and, and you're kind of disappointed that I didn't really map out how to be a better person today or how to be a good man or a good woman, you didn't miss anything. I didn't put that in there because making good men and women is, is uh, the secondary point. The primary point is God loves sinners, right? And if you think you're a good person, you don't get it yet. You don't get it yet. But I hope you will. I hope you will. All right, uh, here's the drill. So from, uh, here, what we're going to do next is uh, um, we're going to uh, speak these, uh, the words, uh, uh, we're going to do the words of, I did the words of institution. What am I doing? Oh, yeah, the, uh, what's it called? <sighs> the mystery of faith. Thank you. Proclaim the mystery of faith to one another. We're going to speak the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed I take to be not, any, not to contain any myth or inaccuracy, but to be factually true. And we ask you to agree to those truths. If you do, then come and celebrate this table with us. Um, and, and, and then we're going to sing a song. And while we're singing the song, everybody can, you can come forward. If you're a guest, you're welcome to. And take the bread and the wine, if you know Jesus. And, um, and take it back to our seats, and we'll take it together after we're done singing our song, our final song of praise. And then we're going to um, um, be dismissed. Yeah, it'll be that, that simple. Okay, so uh, will you stand, please? Will you stand now? Will you proclaim? I love to hear it. I want to hear it from you. I want to say it to you, too. Let's proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. Amen. Uh, tell me, Christian brother or sister, guest, whatever, whoever you are, what do you, what do you believe? We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He descended into heaven. And of God the Father Almighty, he shall come to judge the living 
and believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you.